Hi there, my name is Lewis Coyne. I'm from the University of Exeter. Uh, the talk I'd like to give today is called What is Phenomenological Bioethics? A Critical Appraisal of Its Aims and Methods. Uh, given that this title is pretty self-explanatory, uh, I'll jump straight on in um, with the structure of the talk today. So we're going to start with a quick introduction as to what uh, phenomenological bioethics is, kind of broadly construed and historically speaking. Then uh, in the next section, we'll look at what one of its foremost proponents today, uh, a chap called Frederick Svenaeus, uh, takes to be its aims. Then we'll look at the method employed by Svenaeus, which is drawing on a Heideggerian phenomenology of health and illness. And then I will conclude with um, a few questions and some suggestions as to um, how we might be able to overcome certain problems with Swinaeus's formulation of phenomenological bioethics. Um, and I'll conclude by suggesting that we need to look at other uh, phenomenologists in the canon um, to improve what phenomenological bioethics could be. Okay, so we'll start with, as I said, a very short kind of history of phenomenological bioethics. So it could be broadly understood as the application of the phenomenological method uh, to bioethics or to medical ethics, which is a kind of related but sort of subsection of bioethics. Um, or we could yet more broadly consider it as um, the use of certain phenomenological insights to bioethics. So not just the wholesale use of the method, but perhaps just the adoption of certain insights. Uh, now, if we take it in that very broad um, sense, then arguably this approach to bioethics began with the work of Hans Jonas, um, who's, uh, one of whose books I have here on the right. Um, now, he was writing sort of at the um, birth of bioethics itself as a discipline um, in the late 1960s. Uh, he was a student of Husserl and Heidegger and uh, brought some of that kind of education and background uh, to bear on his early essays in bioethics. But then later on, after Jonas, um, there are some figures who kind of took it a bit um bit further, refined it a bit more. So um, in the US, there was a guy or is a guy called Richard Zayner, who was um, one of Jonas's doctoral students, um, who very much kind of advanced this approach. Um, in Europe, we could again broadly say that Gadamer, who famously, of course, is one of Heidegger's students, as well as Jonas, uh, Gadamer too, takes certain insights and um, applied it to medical ethics in his book, The Enigma of Health, and elsewhere. So that's a very broad um, interpretation of what it is, and a very kind of short history of where this um, approach to bioethics comes from. More recently, um, there have been a few more developments, um, kind of principally in um, continental Europe. Um, Firstly, there have been sort of work undertaken in phenomenology and medical ethics. Um, some of this was collected in the text you have the cover for here on the right, Medicine and Society, which came out in about 2015, I think. Equally, there are some um, figures working in what we could call hermeneutic phenomenological bioethics, drawing very much on a kind of Gadamerian um, approach to this. So a couple of people working in this approach would be Jackie Scully, and a guy called Christoph Raymond Sutter. Um, and then perhaps most straightforwardly, there is uh, Frederick Svenaeus, who is pursuing a phenomenological bioethics understood as a kind of philosophical anthropology. 
And he has done this most notably in the book Phenomenological Bioethics, uh, which came out in 2018 and is a kind of um, a summary, if you like, or a kind of um, comprehensive synthesis of all the work um, that he'd pursued in various articles over the last kind of 15, 20 years or so. So given that Svanaeus's version of phenomenological bioethics is the most developed, it's the most kind of refined and well thought through, in my opinion, I'm going to take it as um, the foremost approach to phenomenological bioethics and uh, offer a kind of critique of it, both in terms of its aims and in terms of the sort of phenomenological means, if you like, that Svanaeus employs. Um, now, this is by no means a kind of uh, uncritical appraisal, um, sorry, unfavorable or unsympathetic appraisal. Um, I think his work is excellent and I think it is really very promising and can be built upon. Um, but I do think there are a few issues that need to be addressed. So I'll try and sort of give a sketch of the whole um, approach that Svanaeus adopts and also the problems with it. So according to Svanaeus, phenomenological bioethics has three aims that are kind of interlinked. So firstly, it can provide rich descriptions of bioethical conundrums. So um, say, for example, um, euthanasia is uh, one of the foremost kind of bioethical problems and has been since the 1960s. Now, what phenomenology could offer could be a richer, more fine-grained kind of description of the ethical um, aspects of euthanasia. So rather than being a kind of... Um, principle-led approach, we start with description first of all. Now, secondly, on the basis of providing such rich descriptions, Svanea suggests we could actually critique the prevailing orthodox bioethical principles. So, um, very, very roughly speaking, there is a kind of orthodox approach to bioethics in the Anglosphere, which takes four um, principles as its sort of toolkit, if you like, um, autonomy, uh, beneficence, non-maleficence, and so on, and basically applies these principles to a given situation. Now, Svanea suggests that if we uh, develop these rich phenomenological descriptions, we can actually critique the prevailing approach, the orthodox approach, by showing what it misses what aspects of ethical um, sort of experience uh, and the ethics of the situation can't be captured by the mainstream principles. And thirdly, and this is kind of the pinnacle of Svanaeus's um, approach, he says that phenomenological bioethics can thicken the philosophical anthropology implicit in that mainstream bioethics approach. Okay, now because this is employing a term that's possibly unfamiliar to um, some people, this and because it's so central to Svanaeus's um, approach, I'm going to try and pick this apart a little bit. So what does it mean to do phenomenological bioethics as a kind of philosophical anthropology? Well, generally speaking, philosophical anthropology has two meanings. Uh, firstly, it's a subject matter within philosophy, uh, so alongside epistemology, ontology, ethics, aesthetics, and so forth. Um, but it's, um, what it's concerned with is what human beings are, so a kind of general account of what the human being is. 
Uh, secondly, phenomenological, uh, sorry, philosophical anthropology also refers to a method, um, and indeed a method of reaching the former, so a method of arriving at that subject matter. Um, and it originates in Kant's anthropology, um, late in Kant's um, life. And the method is basically to kind of unite the insights from the human sciences, uh, the Geisteswissenschaften, um, and the natural sciences, the Naturwissenschaften, um, to provide the most complete picture of the human being possible. Now, which does Phineas employ? Um, because his method is phenomenology, he is talking about philosophical anthropology in the first sense, so a subject matter. So his method will be uh, phenomenology to arrive at uh, a general conception of what human beings are. Now, his enterprise or his way of doing that, um, he sort of describes as the use of phenomenological description to develop a new philosophy of personhood. So that's his kind of um, cognate or um, equivalent phrase for philosophical anthropology. He also calls it this philosophy of personhood for bioethics. So the idea is that we provide phenomenological description of certain situations um, to flesh out what the person is, uh, what it is to be a person, and how this comes into play, how this becomes relevant in bioethical situations, like, for example, euthanasia. Now, why this is, the reason that this is ethical is that this philosophy of personhood, this philosophical anthropology, is not merely formal, so not merely just providing a kind of um, yeah, I suppose in a um, critical sense here, um, a formal account of what human beings are, but it's also a normative account of what human beings are, uh, concerned with human dignity and with authenticity. Uh, these are two of the sort of key normative terms that Svaneus uses. So what we want to do is provide um, phenomenological description that build this new account of personhood, as it comes into play, or as it appears, if you like, in bioethical situations, and indeed how human dignity as a part of that personhood comes to be infringed upon, or con um, conversely respected by certain um, medical and biological practices. Uh, hence this sort of slightly um, uh, sensationalist uh, Time magazine cover here. Now, this might be an example of um, how human beings could be normatively revealed to be uh, having their human dignity violated or something like that. Uh, that's why I use this image here. So that, roughly speaking, is the kind of gist of Svaneus's account of what phenomenological bioethics is. It's pretty ambitious. Um, and I think it has certain pros and cons that I want to sum up pretty quickly. So uh, on the one hand, I think it's a good thing that it's ambitious. Um, there's no reason not to be. Um, and you might even say that the orthodox approach to bioethics is too narrow, um, too instrumentalist. This is a fairly kind of um, common sentiment, actually, amongst um, people pursuing uh, alternative approaches in bioethics. Also, I think this is an advantage that it's true to phenomenology's descriptive, critical and theoretical functions. So descriptive of the situations, of the phenomena as they present themselves to us, critical in prevailing, uh, in 
critiquing the prevailing approach to bioethics and theoretical in that it builds this um, account of personhood, this philosophical anthropology. I think that's all really good stuff. I think it should be built upon and developed further. On the other hand, and this is, I think, a fairly major drawback, if we understand phenomenological bioethics as the development of a philosophy of personhood, this will, by necessity, exclude those human beings who can never become persons, and also most, or perhaps all, depending on where you fall on this, non-human life. So, for example, these uh, rats here being used in medical testing. Um, now, like me, you may share an intuition that um, the well-being of these rats, how they are kind of encountered, how they are construed by scientific practice, should be a matter for bioethics. However, if we're taking phenomenological bioethics in um, Svanaeus' sense as the development of a philosophy of personhood, these rats, which I think we'll agree are not persons, don't enter. They can't enter. It's, um, they fall outside of the sort of remit of phenomenological bioethics as construed by Svanaeus. Um, now, you may disagree on this, but I think that's a fairly significant problem. I think animal testing is one such area of bioethics that um, should not be excluded by this approach. And I don't think it has to be excluded either. So I think there's a way around this problem. And I'd like to very briefly kind of suggest what that might be and how it could be developed in future research. So here's my attempted solution to this problem. We could use phenomenology, as Spinea suggests, to develop a philosophy of personhood, but in tandem with, so a philosophy of personhood in tandem with, and as emerging from, a philosophy of life. Now, this is not unlike the um, enterprise undertaken by Helmuth Plessner here in his masterpiece, uh, Levels of Organic Life in the Human, an introduction to philosophical anthropology which kind of sketches out phenomenologically how um, human beings uh, differentiate themselves and are different from uh, other forms of life. I think this would solve that problem of um, that I just mentioned with Spinoza's account, whereby personhood, because that's the object of study, excludes um, most or even possibly all animal life, depending on how you interpret personhood. Um, and I think that would then um, make it a much more attractive option. And I would add that I think this would then be a truly phenomenological bioethics, because it would be to do with a philosophy of life and how persons come out of or have emerged from life. Uh, so hence bioethics. And of course, again, we would be understanding um, we will be uh, sketching out life both normatively um, as well as personhood normatively. However, this would be even more ambitious than um, Svanaeus's already ambitious uh, project, and I accept that could be a fairly major drawback uh, for some people. Okay, so that's my sort of reconstruction of Svanaeus's aims and my um, criticism of it. So I'm going to move on to his methods. So how does he try and build this philosophy of personhood that I've mentioned? What are the phenomenological tools or phenomenological means that he uses to build this philosophy of personhood or philosophical anthropology? Well, it's by turning to the phenomenology of health and illness, which may well be uh, familiar to people watching this. 
since this is a conference on engaged phenomenology. So phenomenology of health and illness, or PHI, um, has become a fairly kind of active and fertile area of research in the last couple of decades. Um, and Svenaeus draws on this, and his own background is in it, um, as you can see from the book here, um, to try and develop his philosophy of personhood. So uh, within this sort of little subdiscipline, PHI, there are a couple of broad camps, I would say. One heavily indebted to uh, Merleau-Ponty, and people like Javi Carell have sort of uh, followed that line, I think, very um, successfully and interestingly. And there's another camp that's uh, heavily indebted to Heidegger. And Svenaeus himself sits in that latter camp. So how does he kind of draw on Heidegger's phenomenology to build this philosophy of personhood? So, this is broadly speaking the Heideggerian PHI that he um, develops. Illness is construed as a disruption of our being in the world. This, um, which is, as you will know if you're familiar with Heidegger, uh, this is the being of Dasein. So, uh, you and I are Dasein, our being is being in the world. And illness is characterized as a disruption of the typical everyday uh, manner of being in the world. And this disruption can occur along several kind of lines. It can be a disruption to our embodiment, um, our being with others, or indeed also a disruption to the kind of temporal and narrative structure of our being toward death, all of these being facets of our being in the world. And when we're ill, illness presents itself to us as, according to Svenaeus, a disruption of one of these levels. Okay. Um, and according to um, Spinez, by sort of investigating how uh, these disruptions take place um, and sort of building an account of their meaning for our lives, for our being, we can build a kind of richer philosophy of personhood. So a person understood as an embodied uh, Dasein, so an embodied kind of subject, if you want to use that um very un-Heideggerian term, um, a, a, a being that is with others, a being with, um, as Heidegger will stress, um, a te our temporal being, um, our mortal, um, futural being. These are all aspects of our personhood that Svenaeus wants to kind of draw attention to and say that this is where sort of health and illness principally plays out. And accordingly, this is what... Um, can be used to kind of generate this personhood, uh, this uh, philosophy of personhood, this philosophical anthropology. Uh, that, broadly speaking, is um, the kind of way that Svenaeus takes this. Now, I think there are a couple of problems with adopting a Heideggerian uh, phenomenology of health and illness for the specific purpose that Svenaeus puts it to. So, developing this philosophy of personhood for phenomenological bioethics. Uh, and I'll briefly sketch out what those problems are. So Heidegger's thought, I argue, does not allow for an adequate philosophy of personhood for bioethics for two reasons. Firstly, Heidegger's analysis of embodiment, uh, which is already pretty scarce, um, doesn't connect to the living body, so our organismic being, and thus to biology, which is the realm, uh, if you like, at which um, 
medicine and the biosciences intervene upon human beings. So given that Heidegger's analysis of embodiment doesn't connect to the living body, there seems to be no kind of place at which um, these two spheres of talking about the human being actually connect and overlap. Secondly, and I think possibly even more damagingly, it is normatively very, very weak. Um, now, the lack of norms, the lack of ethics is, of course, a famous problem with Heidegger's thought. And I think when you um, take his PHI as a kind of um, means of developing a phenomenological bioethics, I think that's going to seriously undermine your project. So what does Heidegger actually have to say about embodiment and bioethics? Why am I coming down so hard on this? Well, according to Heidegger, our being in the world is determined by the bodying forth of the lived body. Um, this is a kind of idea he sketches out pretty much in just one place, which is the Zolikon seminars. But the lived body is grounded in, according to Heidegger, Dasein's existence rather than the living body. Um, he strongly, strongly resists the idea that our being in the world determined by the lived body could be in any way traced back to the living body, the organismic being, if you like. Secondly, and as I say, perhaps more damagingly, for Heidegger, ethics doesn't refer to duty, to utility, or even to character, all of which are our usual ways of discussing ethics, but rather to what he calls Dasein's abode, this abode that contains and preserves the advent of what belongs to man in his essence. And what is it that belongs to man in his essence? It is our openness to being, again, our existence. So for Heidegger, both ethics and our being in the world, whilst interesting, you know, arguably he you know, could say, well, they're very interesting, they ultimately can be traced back to ontology. He ontologizes them, you might say, by saying that really they just come back to our openness to being, which is our existence. And like me, uh, if you may feel like me, that this is actually a wholly unsatisfying account of ethics and a pretty unsatisfying account of our embodiment too. So where could we go for further kind of inspiration that would overcome these problems, that would allow us to develop a full normative philosophy of personhood for use in phenomenological bioethics? My answer is two great um, figures from the uh, phenomenological canon, uh, Max Scheler and Hans Jonas. Jonas, who I already mentioned earlier on. Scheler, who will be familiar probably to everybody here or everybody watching um, as one of the kind of co-founders with Husserl and Heidegger of phenomenology, albeit one who unfortunately has kind of written out of history a little bit. So why do I think they would allow us to phenomenologically build a full philosophy of personhood and indeed for life for bioethics? So a full meaning, a normative philosophy of personhood and life for bioethics. Well, we could draw on Shaler's uh, phenomenology of the acting person, which appears as the lived body, but can be traced back to the living body, and his account of the worth of the acting person, um, which is infinite in Shaler's um, account of values. Complementarily, we could draw on Jonas's phenomenology of life, um, of which the human being is one kind of emergent um, strata, if you like. 
and including his analysis of the dignity of personhood, which is kind of the summation of life's um, development. And he, of course, put those insights to work, as I've suggested, in bioethics already uh, back in the 1960s. So there's a great deal um, to kind of draw on there, both from Shaler's uh, pioneering work and Jonas's pioneering work in bioethics. Uh, as I've said, Shaler is probably pretty well known to most people here. You might be wondering sort of who this kind of Hans Jonas guy is and um, maybe sort of where to go to try and um, learn a bit more about him. Perhaps you're even wondering if there is, you know, a convenient monograph that kind of summarizes all aspects of Jonas's thought uh, for the reader. If so, you're in luck. Um, I have a book coming out on Jonas called Hans Jonas, Life, Technology and the Horizons of Responsibility you may be interested in. Even if not, um, thank you very much for watching. Um, I hope this has been an interesting talk and look forward to your comments.